Today in Science from Wired. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Today in Science from Wired. Would the free guy inflatable bubble protect a real person? In the movie's video game world, a whole-body airbag protects Ryan Reynolds as he falls off a building and onto a car. Would that work? By Rhett Elaine. So far, I've only seen the trailer for the new movie Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds, but it looks like it's a lot of fun. All I know is that it's about the adventures of some guy whose name is Guy in a video game world where nothing is real. What's the point of using real physics to analyze a movie about a fake world? Because it's cool. Let's consider a scene from the trailer. For some reason, Guy is running on a tall building and leaps toward a hanging wrecking ball. Oops, he misses and starts to fall. But don't worry, suddenly some sort of inflatable cushion poofs out around Guy. He hits a parked car and bounces off unharmed. I'm all about unrealistic stuff happening in a movie. I mean, it's not a documentary. But it also makes me wonder if this inflatable thing would actually save a real human. I'm going to start by finding Guy's velocity, both before and after he bounces off the car. For this, I can use tracker video analysis. With this program, I can look at the location of an object. I will use bouncing Guy in each frame of a video. That will give me position versus time data that I can use to examine his motion. So I've created a plot of his vertical position as a function of time before, during, and after the bounce. He's mostly moving straight down before he crashes, and the trailer just shows two video frames of his motion before impact. I can use those two data points to get his velocity before the bounce by fitting a linear function. From that, I get a speed of 17.5 meters per second, or 39 miles per hour. Okay, what about after the collision? In that case, there are actually three frames showing his motion. I can again fit a linear function to get the slope, which would be his vertical velocity. From this, his speed after the bounce is 10.8 meters per second, or 24.2 miles per hour. But wait, he doesn't bounce straight up. There is also a horizontal component to his velocity after the collision. So I've created a plot of his horizontal position as a function of time for that same scene. The horizontal position before the bounce doesn't change, which means he has a zero horizontal velocity. After the bounce, he has a horizontal velocity of 11.4 meters per second, or 25.5 miles per hour. 
Honestly, this is all fine, really. We can just consider one velocity that has both horizontal and vertical values. This means it's a velocity vector. With that, I can write the velocity before and after the bounce as the following. Horizontal velocity 1 equals 0, minus 17.5, and 0 meters per second. Horizontal velocity 2 equals 11.4, 10.8, and 0 meters per second. A quick note, we like to put an arrow over a variable to indicate that it's a vector quantity instead of just a plain number. There are many different ways to write down the different components of a vector. For each velocity vector, the x, y, and z components are inside of angle brackets and separated by commas. Yes, I included the z direction. This would be a direction moving out from the screen towards the audience and perpendicular to both the horizontal or x and vertical y directions. Why do we need velocity vectors? Because the way we can find out if the bounce would be survivable by a real human is to look at the acceleration. Acceleration is also a vector, and it tells us how the velocity vectors change with time. We can define it as horizontal acceleration equals the change of horizontal velocity over the change in time. Here, the change in time is the length of the time interval it takes the object to change in velocity by the amount change in velocity. In general, the Greek letter delta stands for the change in a variable. Great, we have everything, except for the time interval. Looking back at the video, it seems like the bouncy thing is in contact with the car for about 0.125 seconds. With this, I now have everything I need to calculate the acceleration. The nice thing about writing vectors in component form is that it's super easy to subtract vectors or to find the change in velocity. I just need to take the components of the final velocity, or v2, and subtract the components of the initial velocity, or v1, and this gives the following acceleration vector. Horizontal acceleration equals 11.4 minus 0, 10.8 plus 17.5, and 0 meters per second over 0.125 seconds. That equals 91.2, 226.4, and 0 meters per second squared. If we want to know what would happen to a human crashing into a car while wrapped in a bubble, then the direction of the acceleration doesn't matter. When it comes to estimating possible injury to a person's body, it doesn't matter which way they bounce. What matters is the magnitude of the bounce's acceleration. We need to know the total acceleration. We call this the magnitude of a vector. Since the x and y components of the acceleration are perpendicular to each other, they form a right triangle with the hypotenuse being the magnitude. That means that I can square the components, add them together, and take the square root to find the magnitude of the acceleration. So magnitude of horizontal acceleration equals the square root of 91.2 squared plus 226.4 squared, which equals 244.1 meters per second squared. It's common to put absolute value lines around a vector to show that you are using just the magnitude of the vector. But still, there is just one more thing to consider. Guy's acceleration is calculated in units of meters per second per second. We write that as meters per second squared. However, it's very common to talk about the acceleration of humans in terms of g's, where 1g equals 9.8 meters per second squared. With this, Guy has an acceleration on impact with a value of 25 g's. You already have an intuitive feel for the value of 1 g. It's what you experience every day due to your gravitational interaction with the Earth. Unless you aren't on Earth, in which case, that's cool. 
Yes, that force you feel pushing down on you as you are sitting on the couch is 1G. It's the same force that you feel when you are walking around town or eating ice cream. As long as you aren't accelerating, you feel 1G. Why is gravity like an acceleration? It's complicated and rooted in Einstein's equivalence principle, but in practical terms, it means that having an acceleration of 25 Gs would be like sitting down with a force equal to 25 times your weight. Oof. Here we are fortunate that NASA and others have experimentally determined the maximum acceleration a human can withstand. They call it G-force tolerance. It's not a single number. The maximum tolerance also depends on the duration of the acceleration, the orientation of the person during impact, and even how quickly the acceleration increases. Well, how about Guy's acceleration of 25 Gs? It seems that if this bouncing impact lasts a little over 0.1 seconds, then Guy might be in trouble. It's very likely that Guy would be at least partially injured, maybe even critically injured. But it's difficult to say for sure, since the NASA data is based on experimental evidence. And on top of that, every human is different, with different tolerances. The orientation of the body during the acceleration also matters. Humans are most tolerant to an acceleration in an orientation called eyeballs in. This would be the position of an astronaut taking off in a rocket lying back and looking up, such that the acceleration pushes the eyeballs into the skull. If, however, Guy lands on the side of his ribs, he could probably only withstand about 10 to 15 Gs. Now let's figure out how you would protect a falling human in real life. Suppose someone falls off a building and has the same downward velocity that Guy does right before impact, about 17.5 meters per second. If you want that person to end up on the ground with a zero velocity, there are two things you could change that would make a significant difference. Remember, the goal is to have an acceleration with a small enough magnitude that the person isn't injured. Maybe that's around 10 Gs instead of 25, although that would still be rough. First, you could arrange it so that the person hits something soft and stops instead of bouncing off. The acceleration depends on the change in velocity or vector. This means that going from a velocity of 17.5 meters per second down to one of 10 meters per second up is a 27.5 meters per second change, since direction matters. However, if the person just stops and doesn't bounce, it would only be a 17.5 meter per second change in velocity. With a smaller change in velocity, you would have a smaller acceleration, which means a lower g-force. That would make the collision more survivable. The second thing to change is the time. If you increase the time over which the human stops, you decrease their acceleration. I'm sure you have been in a car that was moving at a speed of 17.5 meters per second, which is 39 miles per hour. When you stopped, it most likely didn't cause you injury. That's because a car brakes to stop over a time interval of about 10 seconds. So the acceleration is quite small, even though you would have the same change in velocity as Guy. In real life, you can increase stopping time with something like a stunt airbag. These are large inflatable structures that collapse on impact and are used when filming action scenes in movies. The airbag in your car is based on the same principle to keep you safe, or safer, in a crash. By stopping a moving body over a larger distance, airbags increase the impact time, which decreases the acceleration. Both types of airbags deflate on impact to prevent the person from bouncing back, which, as I explained in the previous example, is bad. Of course, an airbag wouldn't work for the scene in Free Guy. You would have to set it up before the fall and know where Guy was going to land. So, bottom line, 
The inflatable cushion ring around Guy looks cool and creates a funny bouncing scene, but given his acceleration of 25 Gs, that landing is still going to hurt. Unless Guy isn't even real. In that case, he's fine. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more science news at wired.com science. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.